like for you to turn in your Bibles to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're going to begin a series of messages of going through the book of Genesis. We're not going to go verse by verse, but we'll probably go chapter by chapter or at least subject by subject. And so a couple years ago uh, on Sunday evenings, we did a study of the book of Genesis. I want to do something a little different as we study the book of Genesis. I've approached it a little bit different uh, than we did at that time. But uh, Genesis is a, a vital, vital book in the Bible. As I have titled my series, The Foundations of Our Faith. I don't know of a greater cha- uh, book in the Bible than the book of Genesis that reminds us of the importance of our faith in God. And yet, I don't know of a better our greater chapter to begin with in chapter 1. And I don't know of a greater verse to begin with than to begin with verse 1. And uh, I remember a fictitious story several years ago I heard about where there were a group of engineers, chemists, professors, and uh, scientists had come together. And uh, they had brought all of their hypotheses and their theories and all their studies together. And they asked the question, where did the universe come from? And so they decided what they would do is to take all the information that uh, they had uh, gathered together. And they put it in this humongous, tremendous, supersized uh, computer. And they looked at that computer and they thought, man, this is going to give us the answer. Where did the universe come from? And they, the magic moment came, they pushed the button, all of a sudden lights went flashing, bells began to ring, relays came on and off, and all of a sudden that computer began to type out its message. And it said this, see Genesis 1-1. <laughs> I say amen to that. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 1-1 as we look at this great, wonderful verse. It's mind-boggling as you began to look at this little phrase and yet dynamic in itself. Genesis 1-1. I encourage you to take notes because we're going to study and talk about that tonight. You're here that comes on uh, Sunday evenings to our, our worship time. We'll be meeting in Pleasant Hall. We'll be talking about this. And what I want us to do is to go in depth a little bit more than what we're able to do on uh, Sunday mornings. And then some of you are going to be meeting in your homes and discussing this message. So I encourage you to take uh, notes and follow along with me very carefully today. And I titled it, When It All Began, Genesis 1-1. Would you stand with me in reading God's precious word? Listen to what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can I hear a good amen on that? Amen. Wonderful. Father, thank you for your precious word. 
Lord, we realize and believe and we know in our heart you're the God of creation. And Lord, that you created this vast universe for a reason and for a purpose. And Lord, I know that there's many people who have tried to reason this universe to its own understanding. And yet they're not able to do that. But oh, Father, I pray that today that you would reveal yourself to us through your word. May the presence and the anointing and the filling of your Holy Spirit will be upon us here today. And may you be honored and praised in all that is said and done in this pulpit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are 66 books in the Bible. And all the books in the Bible lay rest on the foundation of this one particular book. The Bible reminds us that there's a 1,189 chapters in the Old Testament alone. And all the chapters lay on the foundation of this one chapter. And yet the Bible reminds us there's 23,214 verses in the Old Testament alone. And all those verses lie upon the foundation of Genesis 1-1. And so we want to look at that for a few moments. Genesis is the front door that literally allows you to enter into this magnificent book and to discover all the realities of God and the realities of mankind. And so we're grateful that as we study Genesis 1, that it not only reminds us and opens the door to us, but Genesis 1 in itself is the doorknob that unlocks and opens the door. Genesis 1.1 is the verse that is the key that unlocks all these verses to before us today to be able to help us to understand. I don't know if you realize it, That in order to be able to study this scripture, you must have faith. And then immediately as you began to study this passage of scripture, you began to recognize the when, the who, the how, and the what. Think about it for a moment. In the beginning, that's the when. Then, of course, the scripture says, God, that's the who. And then... Created. That's how he did it. And then the heavens and the earth, that is the what. And so we have the who, the why, the how, and the when, and the what. But also, my friend, we have the why, because the rest of the Bible gives us the reason for whys of all of creation of God that he has given to us here today. The very first verse. Here in Genesis chapter 1 is the theology of creation. And so therefore, you must understand that God created everything. God created the universe and he created all that's within this universe. In fact, you can go all the way back from electrons to electricity. God created. You can go all the way back where God created the gold to the galaxies. 
God created the dandelions to the dinosaurs. God created the Adam as all the way as well as the apple. And so therefore, friend, I want you to understand, God is the God of creation. There's an ocean truth of 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 reality as you study this passage of scripture as you understand or begin to understand the creation of God now i must admit our little teacups of the, of our minds is hard to be able to accept and understand it all it's almost mind-boggling when you began to read in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth what I'd like to do for a few moments, I'd like to take that passage of Scripture and I'd like to share with you four truths that I believe is very vital as we begin to study Genesis chapter 1. When you think about that in the beginning God created. Let's think about that for a moment. In the beginning God created. First of all, let's think about the presence of God. The presence, the almighty presence of God. The first four words is mind-boggling to the human mind. Now, immediately, we're told two things about God. First of all, I want you to think about how God transcends time. Transcends time. The word Genesis means beginning. And so therefore, Genesis gives us the beginning of all things. Everything except God. Because, my friend, there is no beginning of God. Therefore, my friend, I want you to understand that God has no beginning and He has no ending. Now, that's hard for us to understand and comprehend as well. Because everything... Supposed to have a beginning. Everything's supposed to have an ending. But here you began to find that before there was anything, the Bible says, there was God. I'm reminded of what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. Who inhabits eternity? Who inhabits eternity? I reminded of what Abraham said in Genesis chapter 21 verse 33. He says the everlasting God. The everlasting. Think about that for a moment. The everlasting. There is no beginning and there is no end. I'm reminded of what Moses said in Psalms 90 verse 2. Listen to what he says. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth... And the world, even from the everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Can you imagine thinking that before there ever was a beginning of this world, there was God. And then, of course, the psalmist said in Psalms 102, verse 12, listen to this. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and your years will have no end. Mm-mm. My goodness. Quite honestly, that goes beyond my understanding. That goes beyond 
my comprehension. And that's why the natural man looks at God and sometimes began to think that logic tells us that that cannot be true. But you do not approach God and you do not approach creation with logic. You approach it with faith, my friend. There's a big difference. And so, first of all, we'll notice that God transcends time. But not only does He transcend time, but He also transcends thought. Now, you'll notice something about this passage of Scripture. Think about it for a moment. God is not argued. He is not defended. Or is He proved? My friend, He simply is assumed. And so therefore, when you hear the name God, it immediately raises that faith within our hearts. Now, the reason why God is not proved in the Bible is because it's impossible to prove to prove the existence of Almighty God. I mean, you stop and you think about it. Here... How in the world can an infinite human being prove the existence of a finite God? He cannot do it. And neither, my friend, can you not prove that there is not a God. Now you stop and you think about it for a moment. My friend, it is the element of belief. I choose to believe that there is a God and that the God in creation, that he manifested himself by his omnipotent power of bringing forth all that's within this universe. Now, my friend, that's the simple difference between an atheist and a believer. I choose to believe that there is a God of creation, he simply chooses to believe that there is not a God of creation. And so therefore, my friend, an atheist chooses to believe just like you, but he just believes in the opposite direction. I read an article one time about a professor from Purdue University. He has a PhD from Oxford And he was quite honest with himself and with his class as declaring that he was an atheist. But notice what he said. Even as evangelical Christians accepts God by faith, I reject the idea of God by faith. I cannot reject God by reason alone, for there is too much evidence in his existence, and by faith, I'm an atheist. Well, at least I appreciate his honesty. But did you realize that there's nowhere in the Bible that you can find one scripture that proves that there is God? In fact, there's only one Verse and one half of a verse that even refers to an atheist. And that is Psalms 1, uh, Psalms 14 verse 1, where he says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The only time that he refers to an atheist. 
I heard about some parents a number of years ago that when that child was born into their their home, that they decided to bring up that child and teaching that child that there is no God. Well, as that child began to grow older, and he began to look at the universe, and he began to see all the handiwork of God, he went to his dad one day, and he said something like this, Dad, do you think that God knows that we don't believe in him? (laughs) My friend, I want you to understand. All you've got to do is look at his handiwork. All you've got to do is look at his fingerprints. All you've got to do is look at his footprints. And you see the the handiwork of Almighty God in creation. Heard about a little boy one time. He got on a bus. And uh, he loved the Lord. And he was singing a, a, a little gospel song that he had learned in Sunday school. And uh, he sat down beside an atheist. And uh, this atheist thought he'd have a little fun with this little boy. And he said, son, he says, I'll give you an apple if you'll tell me where God is. The little boy thought for a moment. He looked back up at him and he said, mister, he said, I'll give you a barrel full of apples if you'll tell me where God's not. <laughs> Amen. That little boy had it right on target. And so therefore, the very first thing I want us to think about is the very presence of Almighty God. He was in the midst of creation and and He spoke into the existence of creation. There was never a time when there was not God. And there will never be a time when there will not be God. The Bible says He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so therefore, my friend, He is the God of creation. But the second thing, not only the presence of God, as you look at this passage of Scripture, but the person of God. Now think about that for a moment. In the beginning, God. The very first fact of faith in the Bible is found right here. The very first fact of faith found right here is God. In the beginning, God. 32 times out of the first 31 verses, God is mentioned in Genesis 1. The subject of the very first chapter, my friend, if you're not careful, you'll think that it's on creation. But the subject is God, my friend. The object is creation. But the subject in Genesis 1 is God. And I think it's interesting. As you go and study the different names of God, many, many times he would use different names, meaning different things. The name here, God. In the beginning, God. Elohim is the Hebrew name. Elohim. It is mentioned 2,500 times in the Old Testament. It is broken down... Compound by two different names. El. El, of course, meaning strong one. Almighty. Omnipotent. In other words, our God is a God of unlimited ability. Our God, that who created this world, that nothing was impossible with Him. 
the prophet Jeremiah said. Oh, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There in Jeremiah 32, verse 7. Ah. But the other half of that name, Allah. And that name, Allah, literally means strong one. Almighty. It literally means an unlimited ability of, of uncompromising integrity. And therefore, as you begin to think that he is to swear or to bind with an oath or to make a covenant. And that's exactly what God has done. The God of an uncompromising integrity. It is uncharacteristic of God to lie. He cannot make a promise and break it. I'm reminded of what Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says. It is impossible for God to lie. So this God that we're talking about with unlimited power, He certainly is a God that has uncompromising integrity. He cannot break a promise. He cannot break a covenant that He has made down through the ages as we understand. But also this word, this God, is undeniable personality. Now you think about that just for a moment. You think about the personality of God. He knows. He grieves. He speaks. He loves. He chooses. He decides. He has that ability and He demonstrates that ability through us and to us through the word of God. So, we've talked about the person of God. We've talked about the presence of God. But now, let's go one step further. In the beginning, God created. Think with me for a moment of the power of God. The power of God. In the beginning, God created. In other words, the Bible told us that God is the originator. He is the initiator of everything that we know. And therefore, we understand that God did not create this universe by happenstance, but that He created it that we might be able to enjoy and to experience. The word created is an interesting verb in the Hebrew. It's the word we get bara. And the word bara literally means to create something out of nothing. Think about that. No other time as it is mentioning and speaks about of bara, that, that verb created. Is it ever referred to as a man's creation? But it's always referred to as God's creation. Something out of nothing. Now man can build. Man can make. But he cannot create something out of nothing. There's a difference between a craftsman and a creator. A carpenter can take a piece of wood. There he can 
make a chair out of that wood. But he cannot make wood out of nothing. But oh, my friend, God is that God of creation that can make something out of nothing. Many years ago, I came across this little beautiful, beautiful statement that this black preacher made when he was talking about the creation of God. He says it far better than I could ever begin to say. I want you to listen to this just for a moment. This black preacher said, God stepped from behind the curtains of nowhere onto the platform of nothing and spoke a world into existence. And standing on nothing, he reached out where there was nowhere and caught something when there was nothing to catch and hung something on something and no, and told it to stay there. Then standing on nothing, he took the hammer of his own will and struck the anvils of his omnipotence and sparks flew everywhere. He caught these sparks from the tip of his fingers and flung them out into space and beckoned the Beckon the heavens and the stars. And nobody said a word. The reason nobody said anything was because there wasn't anybody there to say anything. And so God said, this is good. <laughs> Isn't that great? I can almost imagine that black preacher preaching and in his way of expressing and displaying that beautiful picture. Out of nowhere, God created. Out of nothing, God created. And God created all the beautiful, beautiful handiwork of creation, which you were able to enjoy. The power of God. But let me come to the conclusion of, as we've talked about the presence of God, We've talked about the person of God. And we've often, we've also talked about the power of Almighty God. Let's look at what else the Bible says. What was His purpose? Why did God create all that we know of today as the universe? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why did he do it? Was it by happenstance? Was it by chance? Was it that one day he just didn't have anything to do and he just thought he would do something? Of course not. My friend, we're not here by chance. We're here by choice. God made a choice. Man is not an accident. But my friend, man is here because God created this world for mankind. Behind all creation is the mighty sovereign hand of creation. 
and the plan of His creation. I believe there's two reasons. First of all, for His employment. Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Think about that. Romans chapter 11 Verse 36, for all things, I mean for Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. My friend, Psalms 150 verse 6 tells us, the psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now you stop and think about that. He says, let everything that has breath. Plants breathe. Animals breathe. People breathe. I believe of all creation, God is going to receive glory and honor and praise for His employment. We have been created for the glory of God. And not only for the glory of God, but for the good of mankind. God allowed us to be a part of such a creation. But also, not only for His employment, but also for our enjoyment. You think about it for a moment. God created this world for you and I to dwell in it. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18 says this. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. For there is no other. God created this world that you and I to enjoy it, to be able to explore it, and to be able to learn about it, and to be able to function into this world. It's a temporary place, the Bible reminds us. We are here only, as the Bible says, like a vapor. Here for a moment. And then we vanish away into the heavens and the earth. We are reminded as God created this world for us to delight in it. My friend, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. We're able to enjoy this creation. The world was created for His glory and for our good. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand that when God formed you in the womb of your mother, from the seed of your father, 
It was nothing but of the handiwork of Almighty God bringing you into the existence of what He had already created, which is called the universe, the world, for us to enjoy. You stop and you think about it, just going to the ocean and watching the waves. Does it not remind you the mighty hand of Almighty God? Think about it. Of how precise as the sun comes up and the sun goes down. Light and day. How precise. Going out into the Rockies and seeing the beautiful mountains. Going up into the Appalachians in a fall cool day and seeing God's mighty hand of painting those beautiful, beautiful leaves upon those trees. How can anybody say there is no God? How can anybody say that God did not create this world for His creation. His creatures. Which is you and I. I remember when I was in seminary. My evangelism professor, Delis Miles, godly man of God. Many, many times he would go to the board and he would write three questions. And I've thought about those three questions so many, many times since that experience in my seminary days. The very first question he would write, who am I? It's a good question. Who am I? And then the second question he would write, why am I here? And then the third question he would write, where am I going? My friend, these are three dynamic questions you need to ask yourself today. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going after I leave this world today? Well, very simple. When you begin to understand Genesis 1, who am I? I am the creation of God. Almighty God. God created me in His own image. How blessed we are. And then, why am I here? My whole sole purpose of of being here and living in this world is to bring honor and glory to the name of God. That's why it's so important for you to understand who Jesus Christ is. It's because that Christ has come to fix the problem of what man has done. And that is creating the problem of sin. Marring that image of God. And there upon a cross, dying upon that cross that you and I might understand that God not only has created me, but He wants to come inside of me. Can you imagine? The God that just spoke into existence 
of the heavens and the earth is a God that wants to live inside of me. I don't know if I can get over that. I comprehend that. And that as I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, I began to be able to answer the question of where I'm going. And I know that without a doubt that when I come to an end of this side of eternity, what we know of the earth, the creation of God, that I'll be able to go and to be with the Lord Himself for all eternity. Jesus Himself said, as He was preparing to go back to be with His Father, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, come back to you. And bring you to myself. Oh my. What a blessing. What a joy. To know that God has allowed me to be a part of His creation. And that now my life can be a life of glory and honor. And praise to Him. Let everything that has breath. Give glory. My friend, I'm not going to let the plants outdo me. I'm not going to let the birds and the bees outdo me. Because, my friend, Jesus died for me. And my heart is to be praised unto His glorious name. Lord Jesus, oh, thank You so much. Allowing us to take a peek of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything resides upon that. Every question that we have in life falls back upon this wonderful, wonderful verse of Scripture. Father, How sad it would be to enjoy your creation and yet never know you personally. How wonderful it would be to enjoy all the handiwork of God. But how sad it would be not to know you in our hearts. And so, Father, today... As you speak, Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God remind us of the wonderful, wonderful opportunity that we have here today. Believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ was buried and raised again. Thy shall be saved. That whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us.
and in us. And Lord, if there's one here today that has never done that or has done that but never been baptized, they need to publicly confess and profess of what Christ has done in their life. And the Bible reminds them they are a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. Thank you, Lord, for speaking and working and demonstrating your power in this hour. In Jesus we pray. Amen.